Yeah. Rootin'. Rootin'. When's the last time you heard a theme song for your podcast? Anything sport related, we debate won't pass. New York to Anchorage, thank you for your patronage. Touching every sport, real Madrid to the Lakers kid. Johnny Mack with the scoop, now we all in it. College ball, girls, lacrosse, nothing's off limits. Boy, if you a sports fan, you know what to do, man. Tune in, lose, man, we'll touch it. Everything, fan, courtside, nosebleeds. We give you the play by play when they want the real deal. This is all you gotta say. Nothing's out of boundaries, we're rooting for laundry. Nothing's out of boundaries. Boundaries where we in for laundry. Nothing's out of boundaries where we in for laundry. Nothing's out of boundaries where we in for laundry. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Rooting for Laundry. I am your host, Johnny McDonald. You can follow us at Root for Laundry on IG and Twitter, as it says on the ticker right there, and like, share, subscribe videos. Um, it'll be dope to um, come see what we're doing. We're having some fun talking about old memories of sports and stuff. Um, today is episode number 34. We're covering the Charlotte Hornets, which is dope because um, Charlotte Hornets, uh, they're, they're, they've always been a team with uh, cool uh, cool uniforms and colors, and uh, and they had some success. And today we got a diehard Charlotte Hornets fan. Um, he is the host of the podcast, The Black Guy Who Tips. So if you listen to it, uh, thanks for joining us. And um, bring him on and give it up for our, our guest, Rod Morrow. Hey. Rod, what's up, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Johnny. I appreciate you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for being had, man. We appreciate it, man. Um, so I know, Rod, you were born and raised in Charlotte. So, you know, I guess it's right of passage for you to be root for the hometown team. But um, when did that... Uh, um, that Charlotte Hornet fandom kick in for you? Uh, 1988, man. As soon as we got them. I was born and raised in Charlotte. So, um, you know, for me, it was like the dream came true. Big NBA. <laughs> um, I, I never really thought we would get a team. And, like, as soon as they showed up, you know, it was like I, I couldn't believe it as a kid that grew up loving basketball. Now, who was your team before that, prior to, did you even care? I mean, I know you were a kid, so you probably didn't follow it, you know, didn't have an allegiance to a team, but. Yeah, I didn't really have a lot of teams necessarily. I definitely was rooting for Jordan because. Uh, Absolutely. I'm not mistaken. I want to say I grew up at, at that time. I think we still, we had WGN, which uh -huh. was. Yeah, Chicago. Um, it was a Chicago station, so they broadcast all the Chicago sports teams. Yeah, it was almost unfair, really, when you think about it, but. <laughs> I grew up watching Jordan's WGN games, and then that just made me a Jordan fan. And then he just happened to come to prominence during that time. And I actually ended up hating a lot of teams that I really had no reason to hate. But <laughs> I just, like I hated the Pistons, I hated the Celtics uh, coming up. So uh, yeah, that was that was basically. Uh, I would say I was a Jordan fan more than I was a team fan. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a lot of I man. A lot of people root for players now with LeBron and Steph Curry. You know, as soon as they, you know, as soon as LeBron, every team LeBron votes you, people will hop on. And I get it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, I mean, LeBron's a one of a kind player. So, yeah, I get that part. So I definitely understand that. So when the Hornets first came to existence first, like you said, 1988, you were ecstatic. One of the things that stand out to me um, are the, the uniforms and the color at the time where hip hop fashion was coming alive. So were you attracted right right then and there by the colors, the teal and purple, and how it like became like a 
I guess a cultural phenomenon, especially in hip hop, when sports fashion, and a lot of a lot of expansion teams were expanding into all the sports, like like Charlotte and Miami came in at the same time the year after, or Orlando, Minnesota, and NBA, and then baseball was getting new teams, and NHL were getting new teams. So hip hop fashion kind of like was part of like like pro sports, like the merch was going up, and it was it was a good time to expand teams then. Um, so how did you feel about the color scheme and how like like everybody was kind of a Charlotte Hornets. I wouldn't say a fan, but they just love the colors. Um, I mean, definitely the colors uh, coming right in were, were dope. Um, I think that first draft, we even got like J.R. Reed out of North Carolina. So mm-hmm. <laughs> really excited about that. Um, and uh, we already were a basketball hot, hotbed as a state because, you know, you had uh, the Carolina Tar Heels, the Wolfpack, mm-hmm. and and Duke Blue Devils. So um, it was nothing but enthusiasm, really. Uh, I, I know we led the league in attendance for yeah. a long-ass time because we, <laughs> we were just excited and ravenous for basketball um, of any form. And even, you know, even though we weren't necessarily competitive right away, we were just happy to to even get to see, like, the stars of the league come to our home state. Yeah, not to mention the Charlotte Coliseum at the time was just built, and it was like the they said it was the biggest arena at the NBA at the time. So it's sat over twenty thousand, like twenty one thousand, whatever. It was a it was a big deal. So I guess that's the reason, like for the sellouts, that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then um, I remember like you know my first memory of the Hornets, the players like Muggsy, Del Curry, Rex Chapman, Kelly Trapuca, like that first season, but. I think the corner was turning around 1991 um, where the draft, you drafted Larry Johnson first round, first overall pick. And then the next year after number two pick was Alonzo Mourning. So those are like your first two real, like almost superstars. So um, how did you feel like during that era with LJ and Zoe? Well, grandmama at the time, because he was getting all the endorsement deals too. How did you feel with that team? And Kendall Gill was a big part of it too. Yeah, uh, so Larry was a star right away. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, coming out of UNLV, probably, in my opinion, the most dominant college team I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Just that was such a ridiculous season that they put together. Greg Anthony, Stacey Uh huh. Oh, man. Um, So, yeah, getting him was was huge here. He also had charisma and personality, you know, the gap to. Yeah. explosive dunks um the even the the commercial for grandmama like that was personality they were adding to to it so it felt like we got our first actual star yeah you know that year because i think you know having like mugsy on the team was different it was almost Mm -hmm. like kids it was kind of like yeah underdog yeah (laughs) yeah but but having zoe on the team and having uh, lj on the team made us feel like wait a minute we might have a young nucleus that can make some noise Mm -hmm. that that, that's so true and then they they end up going to the playoffs um zoe's rookie season 1993 under um alan bristow and um and they actually beat um first round they beat boston three games to one and best of five and then they uh, lose to the Knicks in five games. So talk about, I guess, that first playoff experience as a Hornets fan. Well, if that, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where more Zoe hit the game winning jumper. Yep, mm-hmm. laid on the ground with his hands up. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean that was huge, man. Because I mean, like I told you earlier, I grew up hating the Celtics. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, it was kind of even though they were kind of on their last legs, um, they still were the favorite in that series. And, you know, it was like the Celtics going to do what the Celtics do. They're going to beat this young upstart team. Um, and I want to say that's back when first round series went five games. Five games, yeah. <laughs> so so beating them in that fashion was so dramatic and we just loved it. But we knew, like, you know, we're going to lose. Like, like the next <laughs> – like it's over after this. But, you know, at that time it just felt like world beaters. And, like, this was the start of a legacy of just uh, – you know, keeping this nucleus together and going back to, to going back to the playoffs over and over and hoping to get a little better every time. Yeah. And then um, two years later, 1995, they go back to the playoffs um, and the same core of players. Um, the only change was Kendall Gill um, was out. Hershey Hawkins was the starting two guard. And then they played Chicago in the first round with a returning Michael Jordan. So he's like Michael Jordan's like almost two months back into the league, you know, after, you know, retiring you know, for the first time, death of his dad, playing baseball, all that stuff. And then he comes comes back. So um, talk about, I guess, going uh, one-on-one against uh, Michael Jordan and that, that Bulls team. It lo- oh, lost. That was a, that was like the, the return of Michael Jordan just flipped everything because when Jordan was out, it felt like the league was kind of wide open. Yeah, it really, you know? it really was, yep. And then when he came back, there was a little rust on him but not enough for you <laughs> the flashes of Mike. Like he dropped that yeah. double, that double nickel, nickel, nickel. yeah. And that's when the Knicks were actually good. <laughs> yeah, so like, that was it. Was fun times, yeah. So it was like, yo, he, if he pull off any of these antics against us, we're going down. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. yeah, th- like losing to the Bulls was it just sucked the wind out of the uh, out of the team, you know, and the fan base a little bit because it was like, man, maybe we can make some noise. Oh wait, it's mm-hmm. Mike. <laughs> that's, that's not fair. That's you know. I know if Mike didn't come back, probably a different story. You know. <laughs> yeah, that that messed up everything, dude. He was out there like I, I want to say after that season, like it was like we need to trade everybody. It's over. Let's start <laughs> start looking at, at who else we can bring in. Mm-hmm. And I also remember that that it was a legendary picture of uh, Jordan wearing a four or five and Muggsy's guarding him. <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. like no, it's just like you can't do nothing about it. But um, and, uh, and, and like I want to say, after that it was like we got Glenn Rice or some like it was so like the, yeah after we, that season <laughs> yeah like what we have we know for a fact is not gonna even come close to the Bulls so we got to do something now yeah so that was a big deal because like you know the start of that ninety five ninety six team they trade Zoe for Glenn Rice and a bunch of other you know it was a big trade like a I think an eight player deal. Um, how did you feel like that? Because there was always rumors that L- Zoe and LJ didn't have the best relationship in Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, nobody wanted to see Lonzo or LJ go because they mm-hmm. were so synonymous with Charlotte. Like, they, we drafted them. They came to prominence here. They were legitimate stars. You know, you play NBA Jam, they're the two <laughs> yeah. You know, so you never want to <laughs> give up your NBA Jam level stars. And that's exactly what happened and i and this was before we realized this was going to be a trend but essentially george shin did not want to pay top level money for to retain players and so this this was one of those things where at the time we thought okay we're getting rid of zoe bringing in glenn rice 
And it's because uh, I remember people being like, Zoe's a crybaby. He, you know, he won't just come play for us. Like, da 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 da. So it was like, well, you know, Glenn Rice is good. We'll still have some firepower. We'll still, you know, LJ and Glenn Rice will make a good combo. And now, years later, we look back and go, oh, this is the beginning of the end. Because if you won't, <laughs> if you won't keep, you know, a top, I would say at the time, top two or three center, maybe, maybe top five. If you wouldn't pay money to keep a top five center on your team in that era of the NBA when centers were important, then what were you really going to ever pay somebody to do? Yeah, shout out to Neil Charles, by the way, the homie. <laughs> the Hornets were good in NBA Jam. What I do remember, though, is Larry Johnson got a huge contract. At well, the, that, like, um, yeah, um, that that like, and that was after his back was messed up, too. Mm -hmm. like, I remember has, that. Was <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Yo, that was like the beginning of the, of the end because I remember he had that. I think it was twelve years, eighty four million, and he was like, you know, at the peak of his popularity. So I kind of get that he was the highest paid at one point. That was a lot of money to give somebody, especially at that time. Remember, there wasn't um, any rookie contracts by the at that mm -hmm. time. They were just, you know, if you were coming in out of straight out of college, you could demand a lot of money as a number one pick because, like, all right, you want me to turn your franchise around or not? So I think that was a problem. It was one of them long ass contracts too, because that was like, because like it sounds like, oh my god, the most ever. But that's back when the <laughs> NBA would be like the most ever over ten years. You know what I'm saying? Like the most ever over twelve years. You know, Scottie Pippen got in one of those long contracts. And yeah. So by, by the end of it, he's completely underpaid. But at the beginning, it was like, yo, they signed this dude for twelve years, eighty four million. He about yeah. to. <laughs> Yeah, now that money is like that's common now. But yeah. um yeah, so that year they traded Zoe for Glenn Rice. They didn't have that great of a season. And in the summer of 90s, they traded LJ for Mason. So now you now you have a whole new regime under uh Dave Cowens. You have Mason, Rice, and it's a it's a it's 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 a pretty good good team. It's a good team. They actually win 54 games, which is the best in Hornets uh franchise history. And then they uh, got up against the Knicks at the time, um, 97, and they uh, got swept three to nine in the best of five. So talk about, I guess, the change of like, did, did you embrace the new players right away with Mace and Rice and those um, guys? So Glenn Rice, people loved here. People still love Glenn Rice. Mm -hmm. uh, Anthony Mason and uh, Derek Coleman, Kenny Anderson, they were the start of something that I think a lot of people um, – don't, don't remember this era of the NBA where people started souring on the league and they started souring on the style of play. And mm -hmm. those guys are bruiser, defensive type of guys, you know. Yeah. Um, and they also get in trouble off the court, you know, Mason, Coleman, and Anderson. <laughs> off the court. And uh -huh. so in Charlotte, people started souring not just on the local talent, like, but the NBA, like, it's a league of thugs. We don't like. Uh -huh, yeah, I remember that. And there was no. I think that's what implemented the dress code because they didn't yeah. want to see those guys, like, you know, wearing <laughs> all types of stuff. Well, uh, the dress code came really like with Iverson. So it was. It was yeah, Iverson. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it was before the dress code, but it was still this very like they're thugs mentality. Like, like these are not basketball players. These are thugs, mm -hmm. and um, and you know, I just so I never really. I, I, of course, I wasn't one of those people. I'm black. Yeah. Shout out to LeBron, by the way. Yeah, 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 I wasn't one of those people. I'm, I'm black, so you know, of course, I, <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. yeah I, wasn't, I wasn't like thugs. I was, yeah, I was, yeah. Like, 
uh, but but um, I do remember I worked at IHOP at the time, and Anthony Mason came into uh, IHOP, uh, rest in nice. peace. <laughs> yeah, came into IHOP, and I just mm-hmm. remember. He was loud as hell, and he, <laughs> and he was cussing. And he asked, yeah. he, asked us, he asked, did we have any alcohol to put in the orange juice? <laughs> he wanted his own mimosa. Right. I'm like, I'm not going to sell alcohol, man. Like, y'all can't put no vodka. He was like, y'all can't put no vodka in this shit. I was like, oh. Wow. That's and hilarious. He, yeah. He's and uh Mace, Mace it's funny because Mace is from my neck of the woods in Queens. So it's like, yeah, I, I I would we would see him at the barbershop and it was just sort of yeah, so it's like <laughs> we both have right. interactions with Mace. <laughs> so like um that that era, man, it was kind of like we were winning, but it was ugly wins. It was not you weren't making the highlight reels anymore. You don't have the charisma of LJ because none of those guys were stars. Yeah. So it was they were just, like kind of like afterthought. I mean, they were, you know, yeah. not in their prime again. I'm going to say a little on the decline, but they bounced around already. And, and it wasn't like, you know, you coming from Zoe and LJ. Like LJ got cartoons drawn mm-hmm. at yep. Like it, it was a wholly different type of basketball. Yeah. And that's and Neil, when Neil hit it on the head too. Yeah, that Hornet starter jacket was legendary. <laughs> you know what it is. And and they definitely um, started hating on on those guys, and so it was kind of interesting that year because that I want to say that that was around the time where uh, people started kind of souring on George Shen, like yeah. oh, let these guys go. You brought in these thugs because uh-huh. like, <laughs> you got a discount on these players because they have off the court trouble. Court problem. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why you put this team together. So I remember that era not that fondly, but you know, of course. Uh, as a kid that cut his hair off at, at like 15, I, Glenn Rice is my favorite player. So yeah, <laughs> like like to me, I was like the dude got the coldest jumper in the league, and mm-hmm. like like I love having this guy on the team. But a lot of people he was great. That's that's when he became an all star too. Yep, yep. I I love that dude, man. To this day, a beast. He was a beast. Yep. <laughs> so um, yeah, that team um, the year after they went 51 games. So it's a back to back 51 season. And then um, under, um, I'll fast forward two years later, 99, 2000, uh, Paul Silas is now the head coach. And then um, they trade Glenn Rice for Eddie Jones the year before. So now you got a kind of a young guy in Eddie Jones. And quick, I'll rewind back to, uh, I guess, the 96 draft. How mm-hmm. did you feel about the, because the, Devox was a part of that team too. So how did you feel about Kobe, even though we didn't know where Kobe was at the time? How did you feel about that trade? Because Kobe wasn't going to come to Charlotte anyway. But how yeah. did you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, so this was before um, this was before people really understood high school drafts. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like it is now where, like, if, even if a guy p- comes from overseas, we got a bunch of tape on him and stuff. Mm-hmm. This, this is just like people going, why the hell did we draft a high school kid? That was yeah. I remember that sentiment. And then when we got Devok, people were happy here. Yeah. It was like, oh, <laughs> we got somebody who can contribute right away. Um, the rumor was Kobe didn't want to play for us. So yeah. it was like, man, fuck him. We got, <laughs> we got a starting all-star center for Devok. No one thought to themselves, now why the hell would Jerry West, a man who never makes a bad trade, yes, yeah, why yeah. the hell would give up Devok for this kid? You know, no mm-hmm. one thought that. Not in Charlotte and you know, to our regret, years later, you look up and it's like, this dude is the second best shooting guard of all time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So, um, 
Yeah, that's, I mean, we didn't know. So, <laughs> but like you said, like Kobe wasn't com- coming to the, I mean, he was only focused on LA and probably wasn't coming to Charlotte anyway. So um, I'll get back to 2000. Um, Glenn, so since you were a big Glenn Rice, how did you feel about that trade, Eddie Jones, the, um, in 99? Um, that was kind of, I mean, it was, once again, it was kind of like, um, it was time for Glenn to start getting paid. And it was like, nah, that's just, that was kind of what we were starting to be the team where it's uh-huh. like, <laughs> but you make your name here. And when it's time to cash in on making your name here, we started thinking about getting you up out of here. Um, and so I, I, for the record, I loved Eddie Jones game. Yeah. Loved Campbell. It was really telling because if you think about that as a chess move, them giving us Divock so they could keep Kobe made mm-hmm. it so that they had to give up Eddie Jones somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely did. Eddie was ahead of Kobe. And so absolutely. I love smooth Eddie Jones, man. And I loved Eldon Campbell. I think we also got him in that trade. Yeah. Um, and like he was this, great. He was a great contributor. Yeah, days. this is around the time that we got um we had it was like PJ Brown, Eldon Campbell was like Campbell, yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, because so, Campbell, I think, was a center. I think he was playing power forward for the most part with the Lakers. Right. So that was like a really to me, I like that I like that roster as well. That was still a good a good team. Mm-hmm. So also you had uh David Wesley and Bobby Phils. And on January 12, 2000, um Bobby Phils dies in a car. Him and David Wesley were racing their Porsches and they Phils lost control and mm-hmm. um yeah, crashed. Um talk about I guess um when you first heard the news about Bobby Phils passing. Man, that was such a crazy, crazy story, man. Because uh, one, um, I knew David Wesley a, a bit because we actually played ball at the uh, Harris YMCA. Oh wow! He would come in there like during the off season, probably four or five times a week, you know. And we nice. would, you kind of get to know people from basketball. We wasn't tight or nothing. I wasn't like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there were some people that was like kind of you know weirdly on some like. Uh, can I go home with you type of niggas? But yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course, I, yeah, they trying to come up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I just would see him in there, play ball, talk, you know, talk a little bit of junk to him, vice versa, get on the sidelines, talk a little. So around that time, man, I just remember, like, it was sad because it was so tragic, and mm-hmm. then him being implicated in it, what, it was like people, uh, like, almost blaming him. Blame like, him, yeah, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, and which and it's like I know that little strip where it happened and everything. It's like, you know, rich dudes coming home from practice, playing around in their cars, mm-hmm. and you know that that happens, and and it's just super sad. But it once again, man, you have to look at it too. Like this was the culmination of a lot of ill will because this was when our Hornets were actually the most successful, mm-hmm. but this was also when the public um support for the hornets started falling off bad george shin wanted a new arena yeah i remember that and arena wasn't even that old (laughs) right like it got it got so (laughs) ugly and this was just another mark on them saying look at these thugs you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. it's like racing your cars is not thug shit it's yeah no it's like rich rich people (laughs) yeah but it's not like you know like man thugs and it's not fast and furious Uh but that's how they treated it man so like that was like to me the death nail for like 
when when the the the, the uh, Charlotte Hornet fan base was actually over the Hornets and was done showing yeah. up the games and stuff. Yeah, because uh, after that, I mean that that 2000 season they lose um in the first round of Philly, and then the next two seasons they make the playoffs and. For the most part, and that's like the ending of the, you know, the Charlotte Hornets leaving. But they, the bright spot is um, you get another like close all-star player in Baron Davis. So um, talk about, I guess, the time, the little bit of time you spent with like Baron Davis and the Hornets uh, <laughs> in Charlotte, uh, at least. B Dizzle, which is his real nickname, not B Diddy, yeah, which everyone Diddy. <laughs> B Dizzle, that's my favorite Hornet ever, dude. Period. Um coolest dude um super explosive so talented um oh really man cared. him and steve francis to me yeah it was like yeah. just when these guards were just dunking these under six two six three guys were just you know had hops and he carried like a a, a roster of dudes that i'm like bro you wouldn't wish these dudes on your worst enemy like <laughs> ricky davis was a head case but he was oh dunk yeah i think mashburn was there too if yeah, I'm not man. Uh, I want. Yeah, I want to say Mash was there too, man. It yeah. was, but like, it was a. The only problem with this roster for me was they were so injury prone. Like, yeah, it was just constantly like somebody. We never just had that full healthy season where like we could get a run together. But mm -hmm. man, Baron Davis put on a show, man. We used to go. This is when teams they were giving up on the uh, Hornets here, and they were mm -hmm. knew that they knew <laughs> the time. The time the clock was ticking. They were going to basically let the team go. And so uh -huh. they had put a referendum out where it's like we're gonna vote for if the fan if the city people in the city want to vote for a new arena, which they knew wouldn't pass. And so yeah. um <laughs> no one wanted to take responsibility for building that new arena. <laughs> so, yeah. so what was funny about this is that um Baron Davis was here and clearly like all-star form and all this stuff, but we were, you know, kind of just going through a season where we knew it was coming to an end and me and my wife we used to go on uh i think it was called charlottehalfoff.com and we would get tickets to every home game and nice. it would be buy one get one free and we had like our own little section that we would knew like <laughs> we, we would get our tickets right where the nacho lady was they had <laughs> this day our hands down best nachos i ever had in my life <laughs> Yeah. We wow, that's to, crazy! Wow, you yeah, usually don't hear that from arena like food. It's just like all right, kind of like going to Seven Eleven. Because it wasn't the arena nachos. It wasn't those. It was this one uh, cart with these black ladies at it, and they <laughs> they made the hell out of some boy. When I tell you finger licking good, I mean. I, <laughs> It was, it was worth it for the nachos to be honest oh, like wow. the game was secondary uh but yeah i remember at one point though it got so bitter with that roster um you know how they they do uh uh like giveaways and stuff when you come in the arena absolutely like, yeah promotional stuff yeah first so ten thousand people <laughs> we knew that they were going to new orleans this nigga gave out beads for one of the <laughs> Like the Mardi, the Mardi Gras beads. Mardi beads, wow. So it's like, yeah, so yeah, if you want to enjoy them, go down there. Bruh, I, like, just, like, it got so bitter between George Shin and the Charlotte uh, fan base, man. It was it was ugly that last year. I hate that uh, Barry Davis even had to deal with that because uh, he was such a cool dude. I played ball with him once, um, too, 
uh, me, my brother, and my friend Sport, uh, we used uh, our friend Sport. We used to go play ball uh, with these like car salesman dudes, like these older uh-huh. cats, like uh-huh. dudes. Um, on Sundays at Caramel Middle School, and because we were a bit younger than them, we would routinely come in there and you know get a couple. You know, we run them sometimes. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we all we all in our prime. We twenty five. <laughs> And they, you know, they was a little older than us. And so one day we come in there, man, and uh, this is after Baron Davis's uh, rookie year. So I don't know if you remember, but like rookie year, he was like clean shaven, no hair. Yeah, and he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't play that much. I was looking up his numbers his rookie years. He played average like five points a game. Right. So I want to say it was either, yeah, so it was either the year after his rookie year or the year after that, right? So he comes in in the gym. And yeah, it was a year after his second year. So he comes in the gym. This mug has a full beard. <laughs> so we don't recognize him. You know what wow. I'm saying? So he comes over to us while we're stretching, getting ready to play. And he comes over and goes, What's up, y'all? And I'm like, What's up, man? And he was like, uh, <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a gym full of mostly strangers. Yeah, you, you don't, know? yeah, you don't know anybody. Everybody, <laughs> no one introduces themselves. So he comes over and daps us up. He's like, uh, what what's y'all? Uh, he said, "What's y'all name?" I was like, "Rod." He's like, "My name Baron." I was like, "All right then." Like, we'll see. <laughs> so, so, so we they make so they make a big deal about like they let like normally they would fight us and try to break our team up, but this this week they were like, "Y'all can play with y'all team together, but just, we just want Baron." And I was like, "All right, <laughs> like we gonna run his ass too." That's and hilarious. <laughs> first, the first play of the game. He, uh, my boy Sport, who's real nice, played uh, college ball and everything. He does the, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, the Sham God dribble. Yeah, you- absolutely, yeah. God, yeah. Sham God, yeah, absolutely. Flip it out there, they reach for it, you pull it back, cross them uh-huh. over. Right? Yeah, that's when, um, like, street ball was big. I think at one point around that 2000, 2000, between 2000, 2003, I think street ball was uh, better than the NBA. That's why I saw Baron. I saw Baron at Rucker Park, and it was like, yeah, yeah. it was phenomenal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Tried that sham god on Baron. He flipped <laughs> it out there. Baron Davis, no, no lie, grabbed the ball with two hands, like, like in the middle of the dribble. You know what I'm saying? So like, Sport is trying to pull the ball back, and he can't yank it, and Baron is just holding it like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Baron pulls it back, and Sport stumbles backwards because you know he's pulling with all his momentum the other way. He stumbles backwards. Baron goes down the court. Throws the alley to himself off the glass and 360 dunk that shit. And at that moment, me, and my brothers were all went, that's Baron Davis. <laughs> like, oh, that's why he, he said he was Baron. Okay, this makes a lot more sense. Man. That's why they wanted him on the team. Yeah, bro. We didn't win a game that week. And um, what was funny though is I spent so much effort playing hard as hell trying to avoid letting him like. <laughs> stupid that uh after the after uh we played them a couple of times he came over to me and was like hey man you got some good moves big man and i was like <laughs> i got some good moves i got some good moves i said i, I said bro don't i ain't trying to be on your dick or nothing but um <laughs> i have i have a poster of you dunking on kg in my dorm wow. right now so like you know that was before cell phone selfies and shit but i would absolutely got yeah <laughs> He beat our ass for two weeks, and he had a bad two chick. weeks straight. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 
That is hilarious, man. So you got to play Baron Davis when you didn't even know. <laughs> Bruh, he put the smackdown on us, man. He was blocking our shit off the glass. Like, we, like, <laughs> like he blocked it so high, you just be like, I think it's goaltending, but I mean, can you even call that when somebody jumps out the gym? You just act uh, like that's an act of God. That's an act yeah. of God. <laughs> wow, man, that that is funny. So um, those times must have been fun, but it didn't get fun after the 2001-2002 season when they officially uh, relocate to New Orleans. So 0102 is their final season in Charlotte. Um, now that they relocate, do you still? Did you still follow the Hornets? Were you a New Orleans Hornets fan or you were like, ah, oh, this kind of mm -hmm. sucks because they left? Yeah, not really. You know, it was once they were New Orleans Hornets, man, it just honestly, it just hurt. You know what I mean? I still have a soft spot in my heart to this day for uh, Seattle. I still like yeah. <laughs> Seattle to get the Supersonics back, man, because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, shout out to Oklahoma City or whoever. But if we ever expand the league again, Seattle got to come back because it nothing hurts like losing that team that you mm -hmm. love and you know in a weird way i'll never not be thankful to the hornets we have now because of that experience man like going from an identity with a sports team to having none it it fucking sucks man you watch tv and then like i couldn't watch the hornets games i wasn't rooting against them because you know i i like those dudes but yeah. you watch the hornets games and you, the whole time you just thinking to yourself that's our team yeah <laughs> different like time zone it's like what like an hour away or is right. it like yeah different like everything is like oh my god i can't even watch them because they play in new orleans now so it's they like, shouldn't even be named that you know what i'm saying like they don't <laughs> exactly mm -hmm. that that was crazy so yeah so um yeah fast forward i guess to three years later um Charlotte is awarded a expansion franchise who the owner is now the owner of BT Bob Johnson and the nickname is the Bobcats was rumored was named after him <laughs> or whatever um so how did you feel did you gravitate to the Bobcats right away or be like uh I don't know <laughs> oh I was in right away um now a lot of the fan base was bitter because you got to like what a lot of people don't know is in order to get the Bobcats they did the same thing referendum because they want a new arena right yes because at this mm -hmm. point at this point that hornets arena is probably 10 like 20 years old or something like yeah. 80 it was like it was like 14 15 14, so 14 yeah. yeah 14 yeah. 15 years old and then and then you're coming in in like 2001 or 2002 going okay we're gonna get um we're gonna get this team and so they did another referendum and they lost so we were not supposed to get a new arena but wow. the city council basically went around everybody and was like nah we still don't <laughs> and so yeah. that's how we ended up with the bobcats and i was happy <laughs> because like i not having a team for a long time feeling like george shin did us dirty he did us mm -hmm. so dirty, yeah he lied, he lied on the attendance numbers on his way out he lied on the profitability on the way out at that time i believe he had a deal where he even got all the parking from the games the city rented wow. the, they rented the parking lot to him for one dollar, and he would get all the money. And he still Holy said moly. he didn't make money. So it was <laughs> it was like it was such a bitter time, and I think it really soured people on the NBA. So they didn't support the the Bobcats when they got here, but I definitely did. Oh, that's cool because I mean it's like usually, and it was just uh, how did you feel about I guess the you know it's an expansion team, so you got guys you know who are like just castaways from other teams like Primos Brizic and. 
other guys. But um, how did you gravitate, I guess, the look? Because I, I, those uniforms and those colors weren't exactly as marketable as the original Hornets colors. <laughs> nah, that orange was super whack. I still got some of it, though. But that orange was just – it was whack, dude. It, it was just not – it was not a good time. It wasn't, especially because you comparing it to the Hornets. Mm -hmm. So you got this other team playing with the iconic colors and all the stuff that you grew up with. Mm -hmm. and, and they and they play you two to four times a year. And then you got your yeah. team coming in here mm -hmm. in this bright orange. Uh, <laughs> looking ugly, man. I mean, I still went to the games. I had a great time. I um I still have a soft spot in my heart for Gerald Wallace for the rest of my life, but absolutely. Absolutely. Good, we, One of the original Bobcats. Yeah, he was great, man. Yeah, dude. We were just not good, though. Yeah. So, like, uh, things get better, like, they, you know, the year out. I think they move into the new arena the year after or two years after. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And then um, Jordan, Michael Jordan, becomes a, minor a minority order. So how, do you, how did you feel about uh, Jordan coming over as a minority order owner? After um, he gets crew, because remember with the Washington Wizards, part of him coming back to play for the Wizards is he, he thought he was going to get ownership, but um, it just didn't work out in Washington. So now he has a chance to, uh, you know, redeem himself um, in Charlotte uh, with the Charlotte franchise. How did you feel about that when Jordan came over? I mean, it didn't really matter at first because he was just a minority owner and like occasionally he would show up at a game, maybe do an interview on the radio or something. But it wasn't like any major thing you know he's a son of north carolina and a son of the uh tar heels so of course we were excited but this was after his stint with the wizards so mm -hmm. it wasn't that the excitement what like he had done this everything about the bobcats had been done before uh -huh. so 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 this was no longer the newness of our first time around attendance didn't go back to sellouts after mm -hmm. it was immediately like skepticism with every absolutely move. yeah that's what happened <laughs> Yeah, and then the first five seasons, there they weren't weren't really great. You know, a lot of like you know a lot of losing, a lot of losing. Even one point, I mean, had, we just had bad draft luck too. Like yeah, <laughs> like we in the in the Dwight Howard draft, we get a Mecca Oka four. Who was, when, was he decent with, with you guys? He was decent, right? Yeah, he won Rookie of the Year. But yeah, <laughs> the point. But the the point being, <laughs> like every time that there was like what we need here is a star. We mm -hmm. would end up with the almost like we get the pick after the stars are gone. You know, Raymond <laughs> Felton, who I, I think Raymond Felton was a was a really good, consistent player, but it was like the same draft as like I want to say Chris Paul was in that draft or something. It was like like that draft. Was <laughs> yeah, like, come on, yeah. Stud, 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 stud Raymond Felton. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think Paul and Darren Williams went before Felton, if I if I remember. Yeah, I remember dude, it's like, it, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a bad pick or the wrong pick. It just that, that like it was just that was the pick, and that's all we had left at the time. It just yeah. Sucked. I think I remember wasn't Sean May who just came from North Carolina tied to whip Felton. He was a pick too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was at number thirteen that we picked yeah. him. <laughs> to this day, people hate that pick, but. I always go back and look at those drafts because this is what fans do. They they always mm -hmm. hate big. Go back and look at the drafts. The people after that are not stars. Yeah. Like, it usually like, happens that people bottom – yeah, some players bottom out. Yeah, like you basically got to go like to, you know, uh, if you have to move down five or six picks before you find another good player in that draft, then you did the right thing because everybody mm -hmm. was guessing at that point. 
Yeah. <laughs> One point, I think Adam Morrison was a pick too, right? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. What a yeah. What a size. And and I still I still say to this day, Adam Morrison got a raw deal, uh, because if, if you knew how he played in college, where he's mm-hmm. the focal point of the offense. He nothing about his game said we can just he can get in where he fits in. You got to run plays for that dude. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> and I, I want to say our coach, I can't remember who our coach was. Maybe Silas. I don't remember who our coach was at the time, but they clearly were like, we're not running no plays for this dude. So yeah, <laughs> he's a rookie. He he needed if he can ball, he gonna have to show us he can ball, and he he couldn't get it done. Yeah, the comeback year, I guess the first like winning like. Big season was 2009, 2010 when they win 44 games. They make the playoffs under Larry Brown. And like you said, you got Gerald Wallace, Stephen Jackson, Felton, Boris Diaw, and they uh they 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 get to the playoffs, man. And uh, you know, losing the first round. But um, how did you feel about that team? I guess finally winning, you know, with a winning track, you know. Yeah, I mean, like we were getting kind of, you know, getting back on track, but you know, it was there weren't any exciting players on that team. Um, I was a big Boris Di fan. Um, yeah. you know, like one of still one of my favorite players of all time. Um, love I love me a fat dude that could ball, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, best. like best of both worlds, man. Um uh, so he was I, so versatile too. I think it, like, you know, he could play shoot two guard and power forward because he was big, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he could he could handle the rock, he could pass. <laughs> And he could shoot a little bit, you know. I just really like that dude, but uh, but not a star or anything, nothing that was gonna make people watch a game. So, you know, we kind of were stuck, man. Gerald Wallace never learned how to shoot, like mm-hmm. we just were a limited squad, but we I think we got the most out of that team, but that was as far as we were gonna ever get. Yeah, and then um March 2010, I mean, during that season, major- Michael Jordan becomes a major majority owner. So now he's he's running things. He's he's the guy that owns the team. So how did you feel about him having full stake or majority stake in the in the in the Bobcats? I'm not. I, I'm always been a huge Michael Jordan as an owner fan. I, I, the, I, I know that makes me an outlier, but this is the problem with having an owner as famous as Michael Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> want to make everything his decision. And that's so, true. It is always any draft bothered. pick. It's like, oh, why'd you do that, Michael? <laughs> it has always bothered me that people want it both ways. They say Michael Jordan is lazy. He he's hands off. He doesn't care about the team or the day to day operations. When he was the general manager slash minority owner, he never did a shit. Blah blah blah. Okay, cool. Then every time we make a draft pick, Michael Jordan made that terrible draft pick. What? I thought you said he doesn't do anything. Like, like is your theory that he doesn't care about basketball at all, but then on draft day shows up and goes, uh, forget everything, all the work y'all did. I'm picking Adam Morrison. That's not how that works. <laughs> you know, and some of, these, some of the people that we hire, uh, like Rich Show and stuff, these are not people that just bend over for the ownership. Like, yeah. they, they come here with a plan and a strategy. Just because they missed on the picks or they didn't get it done, that's not Michael Jordan's fault, but that was my only problem with having Michael Jordan as an owner because I'm a big supporter of him. But mm-hmm. it was it was people are so jaded against the dude that they want it's almost like they want him to fail. Like yeah. Bob, Bob Johnson used the Bobcast to try to launch his local uh, <laughs> television station. Like that was a big thing. He had his own television station and he would put the Bobcast games on that station. Oh so, wow. 
Yeah, so it was kind of like he used the Hornets to launch his own thing. Michael he had Jordan, his own agenda, basically. <laughs> right. Michael Jordan didn't do any of that stuff. Uh, people would say Bob Johnson was notoriously cheap. Then they would try to blame Michael Jordan for cheating. This is like Michael Jordan <laughs> like the one that's being cheap. Like he's spending money on players and everything. So mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Michael Jordan, and I think um, the team we have now is is due in large part to him being like, let me hire competent people to to get us some young and upcoming players. And we've been knocking these draft picks out the park. Yeah, it's 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 been great now. Um, but I'll go back to after Michael Jordan becomes majority majority owner. Um, and uh, they're coming off their playoff season. It goes back down. I remember the lockout season in 2011-2012. They only won seven games. And that's Kemba Walker's rookie year. So how did you feel about, uh, I guess, Kemba Walker in the beginning? And I would you consider, I guess, Kemba Walker the best uh, player in Charlotte history? Like, as far uh, as stats? Yeah, it's, it's not even close. I mean, he might not be the most iconic. You know, we got Muggsy. You got LJ. Uh, Dale Curry, you know, Dale Curry, absolutely. I can't believe I haven't mentioned yet, but um, you know, so you got some people that people will always look at as especially because I think he came in as a bobcat, uh, yeah, Kim. he did come in as a bobcat, yeah. yep. So, so <laughs> like he didn't even get to like come in as a hornet and leave a hornet, which is just unfortunate for him, but mm -hmm. uh, but no, I, I mean, I when we drafted Kemba, I was like, I guess. You know what I mean? Because I saw him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I say he's a short point guard that shoots a lot. Literally, mm -hmm. that's not my favorite type of point guard. Really, uh -huh. I like I like pass first guys. Passers, yeah. But man, let me tell you, when you get to see him in person, when you get to see him play, and like the life that he adds to the team, and this the consummate professional that he is on and off the court. Um, yo, that's that dude. Once again, another one of those like he'll be straight with me forever because he yeah. he loved the city. Uh, because normally when we get guys at like all star level talent, they start being awesome, like looking out, you know, like looking out the window, like who won't me? Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, I always feel like he got a raw deal last year because I, you know, to me, I would have rather had Kimba on the team and paid him mm -hmm. and. That probably does, you know, stifle our younger players and it probably does um, hold us back somewhat, which I, you know, I readily admit that might not be the smart move. Jordan probably made the smart move letting him go. Mm -hmm. But I just, it just felt like the right thing to do was go ahead and pay that dude yeah. and get him to stay there just because he, he was so he was so good for the city. But at the same mm -hmm. time, I'm happy for him because going to Boston, mean, he'll probably get a shot at a title that he would never get here. Yeah, that is so true. So, um, yeah, after Kemba's rookie season and on May 21st, 2013 was the big news. Jordan announced that the organization submitted an application to get the Hornets name back after New Orleans wanted to change their name to the Pelicans. They didn't um, they said Hornets wasn't synonymous with the city of New Orleans. And then they they wanted the Pelican, the state bird or whatever. So um, the Hornets name was open and they voted and you eventually got it. How did you feel about that coming to fruition and the Hornets like basically getting their name back? Not only their name, but like, um, you know, because the history of the Bobcats stayed in Charlotte. So they're all tied together and it's, it's pretty good that, you know, all that history is now connected. 
yeah, man. Honestly, uh, one of the happiest days as a Hornets fan was getting the name back. It just nothing felt right as Bobcats, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like I said, I still have a couple of Bobcats towels and hats and stuff around here, but yeah, might uh, be collectors' items. <laughs> right, right. They might be dog, but it was just one of those times, like a couple of bobbleheads and stuff, but. It never felt right. You know, I used to play NBA 2K and play with the Bobcats. It just didn't nothing, – nothing about it felt right. So I'm, I'm really glad we got the name back just because it feels right and it feels like this is how it was meant to be and how it should stay. The only people I feel bad for are the Pelicans fans. I feel like they should have got Jazz back. Like, when they changed Yeah, that, I did feel like that. Brandon Pierce says Bobcat uniforms were horrible, by the way. Yeah, they were. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. The worst orange creamsicle – I don't think there was a worse uniform in the league when we had those uniforms. And I know we tried to switch to the off colors a couple years into it where we started going with the blue. Blue, yeah, I remember that. But it wasn't, bro, the Hornets colors can't be rivaled, can't be beat. Yeah. And then you were saying before the Jazz. Yeah, that was a weird because I always thought the Jazz is there. I thought Utah should have got it. Like, they, they should have been, the NBA should have stepped in. Like, you can't have that name. It doesn't fit you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Utah Jazz is so weird. So weird, dude. I, I, I listened to the episode you had with J.L. Covey. Uh, <laughs> I think he was, he was either you or him that suggested Saints. Yeah, that was a good. Yeah, I think yeah, JL definitely yeah. considered. Yeah, that was a better. Yeah, yeah that'd be a better Utah, fit for them. Utah Saints make so much more sense. Dude, give that Jazz name back. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, that was a big deal, and um, you know, and the two thousand thirteen two thousand, the season after that, they got the um, the final season of Bobcats twenty thirteen fourteen is uh, Steve Clippers the coach. They win forty three games. And it's the final season of the Bobcats name. And they go to the playoffs. They get swept by Miami in the first round. But how how did you feel about that season? It's like another winning season, you know, not, you know, not a lot of wins, but a, enough wins to get into the playoffs and Kemba's leading the way. How did you feel about that season? I mean, good. I mean, it like at this point, that's about what we were capable of. Like that, like, like yeah. <laughs> you described from the return of the Bobcats to the beginning of the Hornets has been uh, a good year for us is going to the first round and probably getting swept, you know? Yeah. Cause they never made it past the semifinals. It's yeah. yeah and we've never had, we haven't had star power since like mm-hmm. we haven't had that LJ Lonzo, like, okay, we got us some haymakers. We got us some guys that if we, if on the next dream team, we expect two of our guys to be on there. We haven't had mm-hmm. that since. So everything you describing since then, like, you know, some cute moments, you know what I mean? Like uh, we've had some players come through that, that have been kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah they're a pretty good player, but uh-huh. you know, nobody, nobody that made me feel like we should be beating Miami in the first round or we should be getting the, you know, instead of the, uh, a bottom four seed, we should get a top four seed. So it's just kind of been limbo since then. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that, then the, the Hornets name is official after that season. And then um, 2016, they make the playoffs and, you know, Kemba's an all-star. That's when he's elevated. His game is elevated. And um, yeah, I guess talk about that season. How like, you know, another, the first season under the new Hornets that they made the playoffs and had a winning record. I mean, it was cool, you know. Like, like I said, it's just not the same excitement as before. Um, like, like it's just, it was just cool, really, because because the expectation was going out in the first round. So, I think 
for us, this is what people don't realize about the Hornets fan base. We're a very loyal, committed fan base, but after the George Shin era and what happened with the team with the Bobcats, we won't see excitement around this team that rivals that until they go to around outside of where they've been. Mm-hmm. Then when they start having success in a way that we're like, oh, we haven't seen this before, or oh, this feels like Zoe and LJ, then we'll see that enthusiasm return. Until then, it's just going to be, you know, the hardcore basketball fans that want to go downtown and see a game. So, uh, you know, and we got the new arena and stuff, which is dope, you know, but we really do need to, like, to win and not just win, like, 48 games, but, like, win win and make some noise. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. Cause um yeah now you like um 2019 you you just um had shared your thoughts about Kemba leaving and how he got his money but 2020 you had to draft now you got Lamelo Ball which is mm-hmm. I think a big deal I mean he got to play overseas like it's not like he went to college and played with um you know I mean players that were like you know at his like he's playing with like grown men sort of if if you know what I mean and just and, and playing in Europe and probably learning. Um, a style that's you know a little bit different. How do you? What's your thoughts on Lamelo Ball? And um, is he the guy that could pro- possibly change, uh, improve the 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 team? I mean, I hope so. But let me just step back one more year and say, just this year that just passed before the pandemic. I mean, our team is on the come up. You got mm-hmm. Devontae Graham, who should have won. Oh most man, of- yeah, <laughs> he's great. Players. I cannot believe mm-hmm. he didn't win most improved player. Honestly, one mm-hmm. of the big jams in the NBA is that he didn't win most improved player. That's 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 ridiculous, honestly. Yeah. Uh like as soon that was one of those times where as soon as the votes were in at the players um thing they do, everybody was like, What? <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I thought he was gonna win too. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Uh PJ Washington, who was the 12th pick. Oh the man, he's good too. Yeah. Legit- legitimately has a future. You know, I don't want to like like make it too big but the dude can shoot from outside solid inside rebound can jump out the gym um miles bridges won the uh, nba uh rookie all-star uh mvp uh that game yeah had. i remember yeah uh-huh. <laughs> another dude young putting it together you know jump out the gym explosive uh terry rosier was a good signing as yeah a, that was a good one too yep. um went way better than people thought it was gonna go uh led mm-hmm. the league three-point percentage whenever he was uh like stand still um uh, like spot up threes um then you get Lamelo ball who i for me personally he was my number one person i wanted in this draft so yeah i we never get this kind of luck normally it was kind of like i guess you know i remember seeing the hornets they had uh michael k gilcrest who i mean for a Number two, number three pick, just never lived. He was consistent, but never great. You know what I'm saying? I I never had remember him having like a breakout year. He right. just he was he didn't suck, but he was you know he was just good enough. You know, well he couldn't he couldn't shoot, and he wasn't explosive at the rim. And for a guy that size, man, you got to be able to do something good. And the one thing mm-hmm. he could kind of do good was defense. But when your team is trash, yo, you trying to lock down LeBron James is impossible. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm like that's not a one. <laughs> so, like, I remember one night, man, I watched this dude get roasted by Carmelo Anthony for like 50 points, and it was <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude, to the point where you're just like, bruh, whatever yeah. reputation you had as a defender, tonight is over. That ended. So uh, it's funny because yeah. the Knicks just signed the Knicks just signed um Michael K. Grillcrest, and then somebody's like, oh, he's a great defensive addition, and then somebody post up the time. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh really? Because <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just that Melo. It wasn't just that Melo rocked him. Like, he rocked him. And, like, he shot, like, 65%. You know, like, one of them, like, oh, get out the gym type of moments. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, man, I think I think now I feel very optimistic about the team. I love that we don't miss on draft picks. That's huge. Even people like Malik Monk, who uh, apparently... Oh, yeah, I like Malik. I do like Malik. Yeah, he's good. He was suspended yeah. because of some uh, drug shit. Drug like, shit, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but like, good player, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and now you got Gordon Hayward, too. I don't know, you know, he's still injury prone, but um, how do you how do you feel about that? I mean, kind of well, like, alright, you know, you, you're like, alright, it might work. I, we, we'll see. Well, I have a lot of reasons I like to pick. Uh, the, 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 uh, I like trading for Gordon, but one, the first thing I want to push back on, he's not injury prone. Like John Wall is injury. Well, you know, yeah, I, I, I take that back. I mean, he had that one fatal, like it was a bad right. injury. They put him yeah, out. So yeah, I wouldn't, like, uh, yeah, that's, that's not a right thing to say. Like, yeah. isn't it weird that we don't call Paul George injury prone, but people yeah. call him <laughs> I'm like yeah. they had the same crucial Andrew, ass. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> but, but I do, but I do feel people because once you see something like that, you can't unsee it. Yeah, uh, that's true. Man, uh, Livingston that had that knee injury. I think Randy Livingston. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, played for. Yeah, bounced around for a couple of teams. Like uh-huh. seeing his, like his injury to his knee. Sean Livingston. Me. I said Randy. I'm sorry, Sean Livingston. But the rest of my life, I thought that dude knee was gonna explode every time he jumped. So, yeah. so I do, I do understand what people are saying, but uh-huh. yeah, I, I love the Hayward pick, man, because one, he's competent. That's the number mm-hmm. one thing this young team needs. They need people mm-hmm. that can do shit. Like right now, we have like <laughs> sometimes you kick it out to a dude, and you like, what can he do from that point? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Gordon Hayward, you like, okay, he can put the ball on the ground, he can hit the spot up. Um, two, he was playing on a roster where they had three dudes playing wing. And all three of them are essentially ISO dudes. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward. Uh-huh. You can't coexist on the same roster, man. Somebody's going to always be the odd man out. Yeah. Um, so he'll be they fine. They all want the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't have a wing. So he'll be fine mm-hmm. here, dude. I, I think it'll be cool. And then also the people were trying to talk about the money they paid him. It's not a lot of money. It's yeah, like compared, yeah. Once, remember that the NBA once they got that TV deal, you can sign. I remember the Knicks signed Tim Hardaway to like seventy eight million. <laughs> You're like, yeah. what are you doing? But that's like that's chump change now compared to like because um, they can get I, that money. I went and looked it up, and this is before LeBron and before AD resigned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he at that point he would have been the thirtieth highest played player in the league. Yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> that's, that's about right. Like yeah. you know, like if you told me. <laughs> Gordon Hayward makes the thirtieth. He's the thirty-second highest played player in the league. I'd be, I'd be like, that's about right. And then also for him to be on the Hornets, where we have never had a free agent who wanted to come here. I, yeah, like, I don't, that's I don't, true. You're, it you're hasn't a been a destination. Fan. Yeah, you're, you're a Knicks fan, right? Uh-huh. So, you, so, you, so you know the feeling too, where it's like, wait, he want to come here? Yeah, we need, we, need to go ahead and, we need to do that. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? 
because that pump fake stuff that they do with, with teams like ours where it's like uh hey they're saying so-and-so might come to the knicks but really we know like oh he's just using us as leverage yeah gonna get the bid up and he's gonna go somewhere else it was dope to be able to say a guy goes no i want to go to charlotte if if y'all sign me i'll go so I'm, I'm very excited about our team right now the the Russell Westbrook rumors were running rampant too for a little bit. I think they had two destinations where even the New York or Charlotte. So that was that was another one I remember hearing. Yeah, man, which is weird because he ended up in like Washington. Washington, yeah, <laughs> him and John which, which, Wall. Which is funny, right? Because Russ make like forty million a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so like people was going like, y'all got Hayward. I'm like, but if we would have got Westbrook, that's forty mil a year. Uh huh. <laughs> like, how's that a better deal, dude? Just yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, nah, I, I mean, I like Rusty's game too. I think he, I think the pendulum swung too far on him to the negative, and now people are saying stuff about Westbrook that is not really fair. This dude was, a no, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> like the, as a Nick fan, I didn't really want not saying because I, I actually love Russ. I actually love his attitude. He's he's a he's a crazy, he's a psycho guy, but he's a psycho you love to have around. But I understand as far as the finances and the money. I was like, I understand like if you don't want to invest that that money in, I was I was cool with that. The problem with Russ is if you put him on a sorry team, he's gonna take you to the playoffs every year. Yeah, that's the only, that's, <laughs> that's like, true. That's, that's the only problem. He's so he slays so hard. You won't ever win a championship, but you will never be bad enough to get some better picks to to add around him. So mm -hmm. you know, and and of course you know the way he plays. I, I I'm, I'm sure everybody has the same concern, which is, can you play like that forever? Ever, yeah. And you know it just I mean? didn't work out in Houston, unfortunately. Yeah, because like Gordon Hayward's game, he oh, like he got an old man game now. Yeah, and in Utah he was great. He was like, oh man, that's the guy. You know, and Utah doesn't get that much exposure, so he's like, oh, who's this Gordon Hayward guy? He's like, it's, hey, it's like coming. that. Uh, it's like Paul Pierce's game where you like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, absolutely. Like, we won't know it's over for Gordon Hayward until we start looking at the stat sheet and being like, wait, he only had eight points. Yeah. Like, the game looked the same when he killing or when he playing bad it all just all set shots layups you know what i mean pick and pop mm -hmm. stuff like that wow <laughs> all right man yo this was fun man thanks thanks a lot for coming on i appreciate you coming on rod and sharing your your hornet uh memories and, no and predictions and stuff man um anything you want to plug before we go Oh man, just check out our podcast, The Black Guy Who Tips. You can find it on Spotify exclusively. So check us out there. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of sorry Hornets players I left <laughs> off of the list. <laughs> I could I could have gone on here for another 30 minutes of just all the misses we've had. I and, know. <laughs> the Lance Stevenson era, the Stack Jack uh -huh. era. No, yeah. So, so many, yeah. So many, yeah, so, so many, many players. So many names, dog. <laughs> so many names. So uh, but nah, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Nobody ever asked me to come on and talk about sports. Nah, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure, my brother. Anytime, man. Dope, man. Keep doing what you do. Thank you. You too. You too, my brother. Uh, thanks for thanks for being on, man. I'll see you later. Yes, sir. Peace. All right, guys. That was Rod Morrow. Morrow follow him on um his social medias. Uh, listen to the Black Eye Who Tips, which is a great podcast. Follow us at Root for Laundry on IG and Twitter. And tune in next week where I have another guest and another team. My name is Johnny McDonald. Thanks again for watching. See you next.